What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, November 19th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Gonna chat a lot about college football week 12, a lot about NFL week 11, get you ready for this weekend here so that hopefully we can all cash some winners and do a number on the books. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff going on, picks and predictions, updated college football power ratings. I'll do the sharp money reports for the college football and the NFL here on Friday. All kinds of sportsbook promotions out there in the business. Points Bet Colorado starting up this week. Some Colorado-specific promotions you can read about over at ATS.io. Other points bet promotions for all of their jurisdictions. Just updated that article yesterday, so some good stuff there. Bet a dollar, win $100 in free bets on tonight's Thursday night football game over at BetMGM Sportsbook. Bet a dollar on either side, Cardinals or Seahawks. If a touchdown is scored, and if you look at the total for that game, there will be a touchdown in that game. You'll win $100 in free bets over at BetMGM Sportsbook. You read about that over at ATS.io as well. And of course, you get the link to download the ATS app, whether you have an Android device or an iOS Apple device. You can get the link to download the ATS app, or you can find them in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Just search against the spread. That'll be the best way to find the ATS app there with either one of those platforms. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? That's going well. How you doing? I'm doing well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always here on this Thursday. And uh, don't really think I have a topic to talk too much about. Usually we talk about some kind of topic here at the top of the show. And, uh, you know, we could beat a dead horse with COVID and all the cancellations and, you know, the things that we talked about last week where maybe from a college football standpoint, This is just a two or three week thing as everybody leaves campus for Thanksgiving and all those types of things. Maybe things kind of get back on track a little bit, uh, you know, with these teams being able to adhere to the protocols. But I guess one thing we could talk about here a little bit is that as we look up and down the board, and we talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show with Iowa Penn State, and I know you and I both have some Iowa Penn State opinions here. A big question for Penn State going forward are they still invested as a team that can't reach the expectations that they had? So are you starting to factor in maybe apathy or, you know, motivation with some of these games and some of these teams here? I'm personally, I'm not like adjusting power rating significantly for that just yet, but I I am starting to see it as far as maybe some disparities in in my power ratings with, with the market that, you know, maybe that, you know, the market's waving the white flag, uh, on certain teams that might be kind of out of the mix, maybe South Carolina could could be that team, even though they're playing a COVID ravaged Missouri team. That, that, that I think that line's pretty steep. So I think the market is certainly uh, starting to react to that a little bit more than me. I I, I test for me usually. It's going to always be a team by team basis with regards, and we'll talk about it here in a second. But with regards to Penn State, I, I mean, I would certainly have that worry, but uh, I thought that I would see that last week when they were trailing three touchdowns at halftime in in Nebraska 
and I didn't. They dominated uh, Nebraska in the second half. So uh, I haven't seen a lot of context clues just yet, uh, other than maybe Southern Miss, but the market's accounting for them being, you know, waving the white flag on the season. And then nothing that I, I've seen tremendous amount of value at this point, but I, I think we will be seeing it here in short order. Yeah, and, and that's something I guess we can elaborate on a little bit more here. Something like Southern Miss. I mean, my line in that Southern Miss game is nowhere close. I mean, UTSA yeah, mine. is better. I mean, there's no question about that. UTSA is better. They're playing faster. They've been more efficient on offense this year. They're an improved team. And, and for Southern Miss, I mean, things started bad and got worse. You know, their coach resigns basically after the first game. They have COVID outbreaks. They're just not a very good team in general. Their quarterback gets hurt. They have a lot of issues going on, and maybe I do need to adjust them quite significantly. But that is something that, you know, I'm kind of finding comparing my power ratings to the market right now is that there are some games I'm really off on, and a lot of them feature teams that are really bad, like an Akron or like a Southern Miss or somebody like that. Or there's some sort of question about, you know, their motivation, uh, you know, who's actually available with COVID, stuff like that. So, my power ratings plays, I mean, I haven't really made a lot of them over the last few weeks. Normally at this time of the year, if I had massive overlays, I'm hammering those. Right now I have a massive overlay and I go, well, you know, what What am I missing? What am I not accounting for? Because if I'm off five, six, seven points on a game, it is something that I'm not accounting for. Or maybe it's just the fact that the odds makers know nobody is going to place a bet on these teams. So the line almost doesn't even matter that they put up because they're not getting action on a Southern Miss or an Akron or somebody like that. Similar vote uh, for me. Uh, obviously a big overlay with the Southern Miss game. And, and here's, and th- this is, I'll take it a step further. Even if I, I'm not even afraid to bet against this significant power ratings difference. Like for example, I bet UTSA minus three, and even though my line was like at the start of the week, like in the two, three range, I laid it because to me, my thought process is where's the market going to go with this team? They are going to want to fade Southern Miss left and right. So uh, I'm not even afraid to, to play against some of the bigger disparities I have uh, in my power ratings. Uh, and that just, that that's never happened before. <laughs> so uh, yeah, 2020 y'all. Yeah. And, and I think that what this speaks to, and we've kind of had this discussion sort of in a progressive manner over the course of the season, I think there's very little I'm going to take away from this year. I mean, maybe yep. on a team level, there's something I will take away from this year, but from a betting market standpoint, the one way money on game day, no time for buyback. It's leading to kind of a skewed perception of what that line should probably be. You know, that's how I adjust my power ratings. That's the first step in my power ratings is comparing my closing line or my line to the market close. And This year, it's caused me to have some very significant adjustments. And I think it's just a reflection of 2020, of COVID, of where the betting markets currently stand, of the fact that there are probably 40 or 50 teams out there in college football right now that odds makers and risk managers could walk out to the sportsbook floor, hand somebody $20 and tell them, (laughs) please bet this on Southern Miss. It's a free bet. Just take it and bet Southern Miss. And they'd be like, no, thanks. I'm good. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I don't think there's anything really in a betting market context that I want to take going forward to 2021, assuming things are normal by then. <laughs> Let's hope. Uh, I agree. We're going to have one big data point, uh, a full season. And 
I'm not sure how much you can be able to take away from it. The, you know, not to go down a rabbit hole, and we'll talk about it in next season's off season. I'm really concerned moving forward because I think recruiting for college football, which is a lifeblood, and it does matter. It's not the end all, but it does. It's a significant factor. That's messed up. I mean, the, the, to put in perspective that there are no on-campus visits now through April. So we're going to have an entire, you know, recruiting class or two that, that are messed up. So I'm going to tell you, if you're thinking it's just going to be a one-off for 2020, I mean, I'm going to treat it that way. But we are this 2020 season is going to have ramifications, uh, significant ramifications moving forward. So hey, that's a concern that I have that's just not going to be, you know, oh, we're right back to normal, you know, the normal, da- normal uh, data points. This is something that's going to have lasting effects several years down the road. Yeah, and of course, too, not even just recruiting you know, the incoming classes, but also recruiting the JUCO route. I mean, there are some coaches and some programs, I think Kansas State, for one example, they've always gone very hard in the JUCO market. And a lot of those junior colleges not playing this year. Yeah. So you, know, you don't have film on those guys. So a lot of teams that would plug holes, you know, getting these JUCO transfers from lower division schools, they won't have that opportunity going into next year. So maybe that hurts some programs that don't recruit at an above average to elite level. Maybe that's something that we have to factor into our power ratings for next season. But, you know, again, it's just, it's going to be a lot of trial by error. I think transfers are going to be a very big deal here, not just in this upcoming off season, but as you mentioned, no on-campus visits. There's only so much of a read you can get off of people, off of these coaches and these recruiters from doing this virtual stuff and all of that. These kids are going to get on campus They're going to find out that they don't like the campus, don't like the football environment, don't like the facilities, whatever else. They're going to transfer, lose a year, you know, unless the NCAA does something about that going forward. So, yeah, this throws a wrench into a lot of things in that respect. Uh, But, you know, from a monitoring the market, comparing your lines to the close, stuff like that, I just think this is a one-off year and there's, there's really not a whole lot that we can do about it. One thing I do want to ask you about here before we start breaking down some games is in the context of apathy, motivation, stuff like that, you know, I look at South Carolina, for example, here, you know, McQuamu has opted out of the season now. He's going to get ready for the NFL draft. Uh, defensively, they're a team in shambles right now because a lot of those defensive guys were recruited by Muschamp, did go there because of Muschamp, and now he gets fired in the middle of a weird COVID season. Timing, strange. Decision, I think, is correct long-term. I don't necessarily love the timing of it, but – we're starting to see some players opt out now too, because like you and I talked about last week, they've got four or five games of film now, not a bad time to opt out. Cause you can go be home with your families yeah. for the holidays. How are you, you know, evaluating those teams? I mean, is that an indication more of the individual or an indication more of what the program might be the rest of the way? Great point. Uh, with the, I can only speak to, you know, certain examples with South Carolina. I mean, I got a huge overlay in that game this week. Uh, should, I should be an auto bet on South Carolina. Just not betting it uh, to me. Too many question marks. It makes total sense to me that the market's all over Missouri, but uh, <laughs> the problem is there's not, if everything's lining up, obviously I'm, I'm firing away, making a bet. Uh, as much love as there's been for Missouri because of everything that's going on with South Carolina. And it would normally be just a total fade for me. Missouri's messed up. And then they, I mean, and they're barely above the scholarship limit at this point. If anybody tests positive for them, they, they can't play because the, they're down to like 56 scholarships. And if they have just a, you know, a couple of guys, you know, test positive, they're out this week. So 
the problem is you're not i'm i'm personally not seeing it at least later in the week with the mature markets seeing everything line up to say all right i'm auto fade south carolina couple of their guys have opted out just got rid of their coach hey, got to play against them I've, we're just i'm not seeing a lot of those perfect op- betting opportunities arise yeah and, and again you know i mean uh with this being such a weird year some programs that you know players have various states of discontent i mean mississippi state right now looks to be in shambles i mean you but know, do you want to lay 20 I, I agree do you want to lay 25 with george's offense no that's the problem not. it's just I wish I, you know, to me, just stuff's not lining up this year for some reason. I, I totally, I would totally want to play against Mississippi State off the bye. I can't imagine that they're wanting to play, but I mean, Georgia's offense sucks. I don't want to lay 25 with it. I think what we've got going on here, and I can even, let's, let's use Syracuse Louisville as an example here on Friday night, okay. just as a game to kind of get into here a little bit. Louisville won the box score last week against Virginia. They had turnover issues yet again. Uh, they wind up losing that game by two scores. They have been a massive disappointment this year. They're still laying 19 against Syracuse, who's been you know one of the worst power five teams in college football. I think what we have going on here with a limited number of originators, a lot of copycat operators out there, a lot of places that will move on air just because other places are moving on air. They would rather price you out from t- making a bet than take on the exposure, the risk, and the action. Yeah, and and maybe part of that is because in college football this year, you know, favorites have done pretty well. Specifically, name brand favorites on games that have moved a lot have done pretty well early on in the NFL season. You know, favorites were doing quite well. The last three weeks, the public teams have kind of come down a notch a little bit. On you know, the books have done a little bit better. But I think that's a big part of it. I think that across the board with a lot of these operators, whether it's offshore in the global markets, whether it's here in the U S whether it's out there where you are in Vegas, I think that there are just a lot of operators unwilling to be exposed. And what that ends up doing is putting a premium on one side of the game or the other. And it leaves us with very difficult decisions to make, because as you said, Mississippi state is a train wreck right now. I'm not laying a massive number with Georgia's offense. Louisville is all over the map right now. Maybe this is a good spot against a bad Syracuse team. I'm not paying this premium. So that's a big part of it is that there's just an unwillingness from the people taking the bets to take bets and be forced into positions. And that leaves us in a very difficult spot. It does. Uh, And and here's the thing: you cannot win long term paying premiums. You can win long term being cheap, but the problem is even if a certain side like Syracuse uh, may might be a little cheap to, to want to bet it. Do I really want to bet a, a team with you know less than sixty players that's getting out game by two hundred yards? No, I want to take Louisville. I think typically Louisville would be the side here. Uh, I mean, I think they're massively underrated statistically, even though they're two and six, but also. You know, the, I, the the thing that I'm getting at is I can punch a hole in everything. Louisville's got a couple of their top players opting out. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're an underrated team, and I want to go against Syracuse, but I, I just – I can punch holes in almost every game. And a lot of times I would have at least five to seven picks each week where, you know, maybe I can punch one hole, but it wasn't like massive holes in, in an argument on both sides. I'm just – I'm not seeing a lot of opportunities, at least late in the week with mature markets. Uh, if that makes sense, that, that a lot of stuff's not lining up for me. And I think 
maybe it's also part of the causation with why we're seeing such big line movements on game day, because it comes to a point, it, it comes to a head where if we know that there's no COVID issue with a certain team at that point, you just go, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take the number, you know, like yeah. it's, uh, you're almost forced into that decision on game day because, you know, typically we would see, you know, maybe some underdog money come in Thursday, Friday, something like that kind of pull some of these games down into range. We would see some market manipulation to try and get better numbers on both sides, stuff like that with all this COVID stuff. We're not really seeing that. We're not really seeing as much market manipulation, at least I don't think, in terms of observing the market here. So for me, it's one of those situations where I think that we just have to, in so many ways, and again, this is probably just a one-year thing, but I think in so many ways, we just have to draw a line through 2020 and just say, I don't think this is the new normal in the betting world. It could be but I think I'm just going to blame everything on COVID and just the fact that like we've talked about multiple times over, there are so many people gravitating towards these sides that feel trustworthy and they get those premiums on the numbers and stuff like that, that, you know, maybe that's just the new reality with, with so much of an influx of public money across the country with so many more States now on board. But I think I'm just going to try and operate under the pretense that 2020 is just an outlier. It's a substantial outlier at that. I think it's an outlier for the baseball season. I think it's an outlier for the college football season. And I think the only reason why I can't call it one for the NFL is because to this point, their protocols have worked so well that I think we are just getting truer indications, you know, of how teams are being rated in the NFL. We are. I mean, even though I'm having my first losing NFL season, I I still think uh, of the sports that I've seen so far that that it's been the most, uh, you know, close to to, yeah normal right close to reality so i i I will value as far as nfl power ratings i'm not going to treat this season as an outlier with regards to the nfl like i will with with many uh, of the college football programs no absolutely i think that's definitely a a fair point there to make so let's let's touch on some of these games didn't really do too much with this thursday game tulane and tulsa for the game day listeners here uh tulsa interesting to see a little bit of tulane buyback here down to five and a half Tulsa was as high as six and a half in the market earlier this morning. And that's one where I've got an overlay on Tulsa. I do like Tulsa in this game. Didn't play four or four and a half on Monday. Cause I was writing an article as the line moved, jumped to six and a half. Tulane's been pretty good to betters this year though. And I think that may really be the only reason why this line's coming down. Yeah. It's interesting to see Tulane money show because last week, if you remember a lot of money came in against Tulane and that money was wrong. I mean, I had Tulane. I laid a really bad number last week against Army. Couldn't believe that the market was so anti-Tulane. So uh, interesting to see it It'd be totally reversed. Yeah, I mean, they're playing some of their best ball of the season. I think five straight covers for, for them. I think it's just a bad spot. I mean, uh, you haven't seen too many of these, you know, short travel weeks this year like you typically do. But uh, I, I bet the over early in the week probably lean that way but but right now i i don't anticipate to have much uh, act, any additional betting action on this one yeah i mean as this one's gone to a cheap six or five and a half i think it's time for me to climb back in the market on this game i like tulsa i think from a matchup standpoint tulsa matches up well because their defensive front is very very good and tulane yep. has to run the football and one thing that is really interesting about this game is that tulsa's only played five games tulane's played nine and yeah. 
you know, Tulsa's had a very weird schedule, and I give them a lot of credit for being four and one straight up and against the number. They've had multiple long breaks between games. This is a weird spot playing on that quick turnaround. So maybe that's a little bit concerning, but you know, this is one of the strange ones in that Tulane has for the most part been able to play their modified schedule. Uh, Tulsa hasn't had the same luck. You're right. I, again, like most situations, I think it can work both ways. You're getting, I mean, football's a lot of routine and Tulsa has been knocked out of their routine, but give them credit. I mean, they performed well uh, considering the circumstances, uh, you know, normally I would say, ah, oh, man, I, I need the data points. Uh, I like the team that's been in normal routine. But on on the other end, I mean, at, at some point you get a little worn down and fatigued, especially on a short week. I mean, you're testing constantly. You're playing these games and, and to not have, you know, a recent bye week. I actually think it's a negative. If you're asking me what's the better situation for this game, I think the better situational spots for Tulsa. Four games coming up here on Friday. Not a whole lot of uh, really enjoyable viewing, I don't think. (laughs) Syracuse and Louisville will probably be a very ugly game. New Mexico Air Force is kind of interesting in that New Mexico has taken a good bit of money here. Uh, Early on in the week, they're playing in Colorado Springs against Air Force. UMass and FAU, I mean, look, I don't know how in the hell you're supposed to lay 30 with a team that's scoring what, like, what is 20 points per game for Florida Atlantic Uh, I don't know how you're supposed to lay 30 in a game like that but the market has done it going up to 33 and a half here Uh, and then of course Purdue Minnesota which is a game that I think is largely untouchable anything you like on the Friday card uh a lean Minnesota but obviously the threes just got wiped out uh I just you know so bad yeah they are bad uh I just gotta play power rating uh, and I don't think Purdue is that great. I guess, you know, them being fortunate to beat Iowa in hindsight looks like a, a really good win. But the yeah, escape versus shorthand Illinois team last week, and they disappointed me against Northwestern. Rondell Moore's not walking through that door. It looks like this season. Uh, Minnesota's better, at least in, in their ground game. Lean Gophers. I, honestly, this is going to be crazy. But if you had to ask me what one side or total do you want to play on Friday night at the current number? It's probably UMass. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just too many, too many points, man. Uh, although Posey, the, the new Florida Atlantic quarterback looked pretty good last week against FIU. It kind of gave him a shot in the arm offensively. That would be my one hang up, but I, way too much of an overlay in that one. Yeah. I mean, at least UMass has been kind of playing a little bit. You know, so at least they're they haven't looked all, I mean, they're awful. I got them the worst yeah. team in the FBS, but I don't think they're as bad as last year, actually. Yeah, I, I just laying 33 and a half with a team that scores 20 points per game in in Conference USA, which is not a great defensive conference to begin with. So I agree with you. I mean, if I had to make a play on any of the Friday games, UMass is probably the one. What do you make of this New Mexico line move? What do you think about that? Uh, I know why it's, you know, probably the guy that has the biggest influence in the market. It's not okay. me, but uh, he is on New Mexico here. Uh, okay. And I think some of it, remember COVID issues for air force. I mean, they have had multiple interruptions this season. They're already shorthanded. That was well-documented before the start of the season. So I think it's that one particular person that has a lot of market influence on New Mexico. And on top of it, there might be COVID issues for air force. And then a matchup wise, Rocky Long's very familiar with uh, defending the option, the new defense coordinator for uh, 
New Mexico. So that would be on top of it. I mean, my power ain't say Air Force clearly is the play here, but because of those reasons I just mentioned, it's a no play for me. Yeah, I had this one back near where the open was. I had Air Force minus 10 and a half in this one. Uh, so I got 12. See, the interesting thing is, too, like I, I made a very quick adjustment to New Mexico, and I, and I thought they'd be a little bit better than, you know, what the market had them perceived to be because I liked their coaching hires. I, I liked that, you know, Rocky Long wanted to come back home and, and be a D.C. I think Danny Gonzalez is a very good hire. Those two obviously should work very well together. New Mexico's problem has always been their defense. I mean, their offense has had periods where they've been relatively competent, but the defense, you know, you get 40 points per game. It's hard to look decent. So I figured the defense would improve. Uh, and in fact, you know, total here, 55 and a half. That's, you know, probably a pretty good total for a New Mexico game, given how many points they've given up in the past. So, you know, I, I, we'll see. We'll see how they do against the option here and against a shorthanded Air Force team, as you mentioned. As we transition to Saturday, let's go ahead and start with a highlight video here. Four game, 331-332 at the top of the board, UCLA and Oregon. 13 and a half, 66 and a half here, the numbers for this game. I'm host Adam Burke, joined by pro better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, this isn't a game that I've got a strong opinion on, but it is a game that's certainly on your radar. Yeah, starting off power ratings for me. I mean, I got Oregon 18 here and I haven't had big power ratings disparities uh, involving these two teams too much so far this season. Maybe I'm a little bit down on UCLA compared to the market. Uh, I have noticed that a little bit, but nothing to say, you know, that that I knew I got to make a big time adjustment on the Bruins. Uh, So there's that. Number two for me is I think Oregon's better than, than what they've seen so far. Anytime you can cover back-to-back games like Oregon has, and they're minus five total in turnovers. I think they're better than what we, what we've seen on the scoreboard so far. The fact that they, you know, kind of pissed down their leg three turnovers early against Washington state on the road, first road game for, for, for a new quarterback and they get right and dominate Washington state in the second half. I mean, I thought that was a pretty good performance. And I think the biggest mispricing, at least for me is, you know, UCLA was dominant over Cal last week. And normally I would say, wow, that, that's as good as UCLA has looked at in several years. Certainly maybe the best performance they've had under Chip Kelly here the last three years. But watching that game, I, it really reminded me, if you go all the way back to Labor Day night, when, when Navy uh, played BYU and just didn't have a clue. I mean, you could tell they didn't practice tackling or anything. I mean, that's what Cal looked like. Every play, UCLA was breaking a tackle or two. I mean, it was unbelievable to me watching that game on Sunday morning. Not a good spot, UCLA short travel week, uh, you know, and traveling for them. So add that up for me. I like the Ducks quite a bit here. My line on this game is in that 14 range. So I don't really have a power ratings overlay or anything like that. I would if I didn't adjust Oregon down a little bit after last week's game against Washington State. Part of that was because I was off the market number. Another part of that was I watched that game, and Oregon defensively just didn't look strong to me. They took a lot of bad tackling angles, seemed to be some miscommunication back there. Maybe they fixed some of those things. Maybe they shore some of those things up. On the other hand, Washington State's offense has looked okay in their first two They're pretty good, man. Jaden Delora looks good. I think Nick Rolovich is a solid head coach. Uh, You know, we talked about how Rolovich's tenure didn't start out in the best way there up in Pullman, but I think he's still a very good head coach. And what I did take away from that game, even though I downgraded Oregon a little bit, is, as you mentioned, the second half, they were dominant. In the first half, they looked all out of sorts, 
had some turnovers. Washington State had a bunch of big plays, moved the football on them very effectively. In the second half, it was a completely different game. And maybe that's an angle you look at for Oregon here, second half, something like that. But also, too, as you said, I don't think UCLA is a very good team. I don't want to give them too much credit for last Sunday. And remember, they gave up a bunch of yards, had a bunch of special teams issues and turnovers in their first game against Colorado. That's not something that regresses to the mean. That's something that's been a hallmark during Chip Kelly's tenure at UCLA. So I can't say I'm against you. And as this line drops, I may take an extended look at Oregon here now that it's off of the 14. But uh, I can make a strong case for the Ducks here. Yeah, one thing, because, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, perfect play situation. What does concern me is maybe Colorado's a lot better than what we thought. So UCLA's performance, considering they were so bad in turnovers, especially in the first half against Colorado, maybe that's not such a bad, you know, performance uh, when we look back at it with Colorado doing what they did to Stanford last week. So that, that to me, is the, the biggest hang-up I have as far as the handicap. Still good thoughts here on this UCLA-Oregon game from professional better and handicapper Brad Powers. Make sure you subscribe to the full editions of ATS Radio, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, moving on from that Pac-12 game here, you and I, you know, we've teased this game a couple of times. We talked about it on yesterday's show, too. I'm telling you, man, Penn State is the play here against Iowa, and I don't know if it works out, but Penn State is not an 0-4 team. They've dominated nope. two box scores, Indiana and Nebraska, lost both of those games. You know, they shouldn't have lost the Indiana game. That was just clock mismanagement by James Franklin and the team. Last week, red zone ineptitude cost them that game. I don't think Iowa is as great as the market is suggesting, I just don't think I have the heart to bet Penn State this week. I do. I bet Penn State, and I've been Mr. Iowa the last two weeks, uh, especially against Michigan State. I couldn't believe where the market had that game price, but now you get a case where I'm going to sell high. I mean, they've outscored uh, Michigan State, Minnesota, 84-14. to 14. Uh, they're, they're not as bad as what they were the first two games of the season. They could have at least won one of those two games, Iowa, but they're not as good as what we've seen the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to sell high on the, on the Hawkeyes. I'll buy low on Penn State. You mentioned it. Uh, this is a team that probably should be 2-2. Two and two. They're not 0-4. Certainly they've been a disappointment so far this season. I think you've made a major mistake if you haven't, you know, downgraded Penn State significantly in your power ranks. But still, I'm treating them like a 2-2 two and two type of team. I mean, when you outgain your opponents by more than 200 yards, that should be a, a win. And to me, if you're worried about Penn State waving the white flag, I'm not as much. I mean, if they would have done it, they would have done it last week when they were down three touchdowns to Nebraska at halftime. They didn't. They dominated the Huskers in the second half. So, I, I just – and maybe this is my mistake, but I just can't see Penn State going to 0-5 for the first time in school history. I mean, this isn't, in my opinion, an historically bad Penn State team. It's just they've had, a, you know, tough luck in a couple of games. So, uh, yeah, I like Nittany Lions, in my opinion, are going to win the game outright. And these two teams don't play every year. Of course, they're in opposite divisions here in the Big Ten. But first time Iowa's been favored in state college since 1983, and the first time that Penn State's been a home dog to anybody other than Ohio State since week six of the 2016 season. So, you know, look, maybe maybe this is a commentary on the state of both teams, and maybe Penn State is just that disjointed, is just that much of a mess. But 
I, I need this game to find that out. If they lose this game and don't look good in the process, they are untouchable. Yeah, then it's faint. Then, then it's put, faint time. Yeah, then I put Penn State. They're a leper colony. I don't touch them yep. at all. It, it, it's that simple. Yep. So we'll see. I mean, maybe this is their you know last stand type of game. Kudos to you for having the stones to play it. Like I said, I think it's the right side. We could both be dead wrong here, but uh, kudos to you for having the stones to play it. And we'll see uh, if I can kind of uh, nut up and take this play myself. With that, let's do another highlight video here real quickly on a marquee game, probably the best game of the weekend in college football. Game 343-344, Cincinnati and UCF. One-sided Cincinnati money here so far in this game. This line's up to six market-wide, total 63 and a half. I'm joined by pro better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And I'm host Adam Burke, the host here of our ATS Radio betting podcast. Brad, first and foremost, what do you think about the line move in this game? I'm not overly surprised just because Cincinnati's been so damn dominant here in the last four games. I mean, winning by, by an average of 33 and a half points per game, covering by 23 points per game. So if you've been betting Cincinnati uh, and you've been winning and you've been winning easily. So I, I don't, I'm not, you know, big time surprised that it's moving in Cincinnati's direction. I do think it's a, you know, it's gotten certainly pricey if you want to back Cincinnati here from a pure power ratings aspect for me. I mean, I only got Cincinnati one here and to put in perspective, Oh, Brad, you're just, you're too low on Cincinnati. That's not true. I have Cincinnati power rating number 11. I've never had a, you know, at this point in a season, in a regular season, I've never had a group of five team power rate as high as Cincinnati, right? As I do right now. So uh, maybe I'm too high on UCF, but I even downgraded that. I'm not sure that everyone's well aware that they lost four starters off the bye. I downgraded them a couple points after losing those guys. It was an off field incident, uh, incident. So I just, uh, Cincinnati is way too pricey. It's a, it's an auto play on UCF for me. I got this game three, so, you know, I'm definitely uh, lower than the market is. I'm kind of waiting to see if a seven appears. I don't know if that's going to happen. It looks like six and a half was kind of the stopping point for this game because it did get there and then came back down a little bit to six. So it feels like six and a half is your point of resistance in this one. So if you want UCF six and a half, probably the best you're going to be able to do at this point in time. These are always such tough handicaps for me, though, because, you know, has Cincinnati faced an offense like this this year? No. And this is a UCF offense that has left quite a few points on the field. They've kicked short red zone field goals. They've had turnovers in the red zone. Think back to that Memphis game that they squandered, left a bunch of points on the field yeah, in that one. But Cincinnati, they've not faced an offense like this, a team that runs with this kind of tempo. SMU is a decent offense, and Cincinnati dominated them. Kudos to them for that. They dominate Memphis too. I mean, Memphis and SMU are pretty good offenses that they just, I mean, they kick the, I mean, that's why people probably aren't afraid of betting Cincinnati. I mean, the the two closest teams to UCF offensively, Cincinnati dominated them. That's fair. No, that is fair. So I guess maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I misspoke there in saying that they haven't really seen an offense like this. And when UCF has seen a good defense, it was Tulsa and they lost that game. So For UCF here, you do wonder about that. You know, can they move the football with great effectiveness against this Cincinnati defense? I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. And something else, you mentioned this very early on in the season here, and it's stuck in the back of my mind all year long. Josh Heupel is not doing the same things at UCF that his predecessors did. They have left points on the field. They have lost close games. 
They've done some uncharacteristic things, you know, from what we saw specifically during the Scott Frost tenure in Orlando. So that worries me here. If this becomes a close game, you know, who do I trust? Who do I trust to take care of the football? Which coach, coach do I trust? Those are some big questions here about this game, I think. Hit the nail on the head as usual, man. Uh, I I will bet UCF. I will have a UC, I've already bet UCF at a bad number. I mean, it's the one time that you know I'm I don't have closing line value here, so I am surprised in that regard. But uh, that is my biggest worry that UCF is not buttoned up. They're one of the worst teams in the country in penalties. They they make costly errors in that regard, and they're not completely buttoned up in the red zone. They, they make costly turnovers. On the flip side, Cincinnati is buttoned up, is well coached, so. Uh, that is my worry here. Push comes to shove in that regard. I, I understand why, why Cincinnati is getting some action, but in a game like this, in a very big game where I think motivation is not going to be a concern for either team that they both want to win it. I, th- this is to me where I trust my power rating more in this spot where I'm not questioning motivation guys often out and whatnot. So I, I got to trust it. And I mean, you see up for me. Well, and of course, too, Cincinnati only playing their second road game of the year. They played one in Dallas, had one in three straight coming up. Yep. Three straight road games coming up. That Tulsa game will be an interesting one down the line here a little bit, but a good breakdown, maybe not a consensus opinion necessarily, but still a strong breakdown here. A lot of food for thought on this Cincinnati versus UCF game. You get a lot of food for thought on our full broadcasts of ATS radio. And we certainly encourage you to listen to the full editions of that podcast And also make sure you download the ATS app as well, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or links to download that over at ATS.io. All right, so uh, maybe the second best game of the weekend. Is it fair to say that 347, 348, Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, the second best game of Saturday here? Probably would have been if Zach Thomas was healthy for Appalachian State. Uh, Didn't, hasn't factored in the line much. Oh, you you don't think so? I think it has. I I mean, I I would be uh, I, I would think you know the Coastal Carolina would be laying three at most uh, okay. if he was playing. I mean, I I was looking and I get it. Maybe I'm lower on Coastal Carolina right now, but I, I mean, I was looking to bet half state uh, if he was healthy. I, I think there's been at least a three point adjustment. Okay. I mean, I, I have it three with Thomas. So okay. I guess you know point and a half, two point adjustment maybe, but also two. Something else that we got to factor in, and we've talked about this already here on today's show, sort of just with an overview of the market, is that this is one of those teams in Coastal Carolina that there's a premium on because nobody wants to bet against them. Maybe this is the week that somebody tries to bet against them with a proven program like Appalachian State, but I don't know, man. I, I feel like App State, and not even just because Thomas is hurt, I do feel like they're kind of vulnerable here because I haven't been totally impressed with their body of work so far. <laughs> it makes sense. Cause I mean, I think they've only covered one point spread so far this season in that app state. I mean, they're one in six against the number. Uh, of course I bet against them. That game is Arkansas state game midweek <laughs> where they dominated the red wolves, but I, I hear you. I just, I, I'm just thinking to me, I, 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 it's App State or nothing for me. I, if if Zach Thomas was playing, it would have been App, App State would have been a, a bet for me. I just think Coastal was getting a little too much love, and sometimes when when you got to take down uh, the reigning defending champ, that that App State's been by far the best program in this league 
for several years. I got to think their players are playing with a little chip on their shoulder that they're, you know, the underdog against the upstart here. The the one thing that concerns me, I, I think Jamie Chadwell has certainly proven himself this year. And he may very well be in line. Taking for the phone South calls Carolina this job. week from South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he may very well be, you know, the front runner. I, th- I think Hugh Freeze should be the front runner for what it's worth. But, I agree. Um, you know, I think he's, he's certainly going to be in quite a bit of contention for that job. And the thing about this game is, is App State, like, still the same team in these marquee games? You know, they, they had Scott Satterfield, who was a very good head coach. Eli Drinkwitz has done a very nice job at Missouri, yeah. all things considered here this year. Is Sean Clark that guy? You know, like, if there is a little bit of a talent drop-off here for App State, whether Thomas – is Thomas confirmed out? Is, is he no, questionable, out? questionable, okay. questionable. I was just looking, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I was Googling. I, mean, well, I know he got might... stretchered off last week. Yeah. Thinking, okay, well, I thought he's, he's like out for the play. season the way that, that right. went down. But, no, he's, he's still questionable. But but that's the question that I have then is, you know, is, is Sean Clark able to, you know, uphold the reputation of this Appalachian State program has? Because to this point, they really haven't been super tested, and they didn't look good in their one game against a pretty good team in Marshall. So Good point. You know, is is this a spot where maybe this is – I don't even want to call this a passing of the torch game because I don't even know if Coastal is sustainable, and if Chadwell leaves, they probably aren't. And this it's conference not. probably goes back to being App States. But, you know, I, I feel like the Mountaineers are vulnerable here. And also, too, not at home, not in Boone, not in the elevation. So maybe that's something that hurts them a little bit here, too. I don't know. Dinner bet? Dinner bet at no, 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 oh, not with the okay. quarterback. No, no, yeah. come on. If he's playing, I'll tell you what, if he gets clear and he's playing, then we'll have a dinner bet. And we'll at, see where the line four and is. A half. I wonder if the line does adjust. Like I said, my line's three with Thomas. I, it, I, I don't know if that goes down, though. Fair enough. One thing I will say that you brought up, and I know you're a big South Carolina guy, how does South Carolina mess up this coaching hire? I mean, they have like three really good options. Uh, you mentioned Hugh Freeze, Jamie Chadwell, and then uh, N- N- Napier from, from Louisiana Lafayette. How do they not hire one of those three guys? I don't know. I hope they do. I mean, I, 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 hope I mean, they they're all three them. really good options. I don't know how they don't hire one of those three guys. I, I think w- when your margin for error is as slim as South Carolina's is, because you're clearly the second best team in your state. Well, right now you're the third best team in your state because Coastal would be a favorite on a neutral for me. Um, you obviously you're way behind Clemson and you play them every year and you get your ass kicked every year. Their margin for error is small. They cannot, in my opinion, dick around and hire a coordinator to see if he can be a head coach. You have to take a head coach this time. And maybe Chadwell's ready for for the big time. Maybe Chadwell isn't. I don't know. I know Hugh Freeze is, and I know he's got the, the checkered past to say the least. Who cares? But yeah, I it's about the bottom line, man. You, you got to win football games. And, and and I think that I think Hugh Freeze is the guy, but I wouldn't be upset with Napier, you know, or Chadwell. I don't think just any, anyone outside NBA. of those three, that becomes a harder sell for me. I agree. I mean, unless uh, there's a big name that, that we don't know, right. but I, I just, I can't imagine them not hiring at least one of those guys. I think they got to go offense South Carolina, certainly after a defensive guy. And that's just where the sports moving. But uh, Hugh Freeze is a slam dunk. Hugh Freeze to me, Believe it or not, if you had to ask me who is the most underrated coach in the country the last five, six years, it's Hugh Freeze. I Guy just He's a covering machine. And it's I don't care how unscrupulous his methods were from a recruiting standpoint, the talent that he brought into Ole Miss, like it, it's Ole Miss. I mean, you're, you're fighting with Auburn and LSU and Alabama yeah. and all the Texas schools and all of that, 
and he's still pulling, you know, number one in the country recruits. Uh, look, South Carolina, not only do you hire Hugh Freeze, you hire some extra bag men to just go ahead and, and take those cash payments. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not above that. I, I'm not better yeah. than that. Not when, not when you're getting punked so bad by the upstate team from, from Greenville. So I like it. whatever college athletics are shady as they come, you know, it, I know it, uh, you know, you might as well kind of, kind of join in, I guess is, is what I would say. Uh, what about this game? 359, 360. Speaking of Hugh Freeze, Liberty and North Carolina State, NC State laying three and a half here. Surprised to see NC State money? Surprised to see this one hasn't moved towards Liberty? Anything like that? Uh, in your pure power ranks, I have NC State uh, by five. So, you know, it says take NC State. I did lay two with NC State, believe it or not, just because, okay. you know, I'm not even thinking. I'm just thinking numbers where the market's going to mo- move in that regard. But if you had to ask me right now on a Thursday, even after I bet NC State on Sunday, who I, who I would bet right now at three and a half, who I trust, it's probably Liberty. Uh, I just I, I think as good as NC State's been, at least on the scoreboard, then they've exceeded expectations. I, they've been kind of fool's gold uh, for me. And Liberty's really good and has a legit quarterback. I'm just not talking about a guy that's putting up numbers at a group of five. Malik Willis would be starting probably at 100-some schools. I mean, uh, he, at least half of Power 5 teams, if not more. I mean, he's maybe even a top 10, top 15 quarterback nationally. I mean, as far as talent and obviously production. So, uh, if you had to ask me right now, probably Liberty plus three and a half is the, way to go, the only way to go there. So, you got – North Carolina, you said minus. You got NC State minus two, right? Are you going to play back yeah. at this, or are you going to let that ride? I'm one big enough to to worry about laying it back. Okay. Yeah, and and with a total of 67, it's not like you're chasing a middle when it lands on three or something like that. That's yeah. That's I just pretty, let, pretty I'll, I'll let it ride. ride. Liberty money line. Maybe a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. All right. I'm just pushing you. You you know, I mean, it's a college football Saturday. You have to bet every game, so. You know, I'm just kind of pushing you a little bit on, on that point. <laughs> I bet I make like 25 bets on a Sunday at 11 a.m. for the that's upcoming not, week. That's not enough. Uh, Shame on you. Uh, bet more. I mean, uh, yeah, I'll probably fire in <laughs> another 2025. But I mean, I, I've probably been a little too. Let, let's just say the one thing that I've learned this year is I need to, to, to improve my in-game wagering. Let's just put it that way. There you go. I think that's fair. A lot of these Pac-12 games, at least the ones that are being played, kind of grouped together here by rotation number. USC-Utah, 3-57 and 57 with USC a road favorite. Uh, Washington, 11.5-point favorite, total 53 against Arizona. Cal laying 3 or 3.5 three at Oregon State. Stanford, a short favorite against Washington State. A team that, by the way, they have a ton of problems with year in and year out. Uh, anything in the Pac-12 that you're kind of interested in or not really? Uh, favorite of the bunch, probably Oregon State. I just think Cal's not ready to play this year. At least they look – I mean, if they miraculously improve in six days, then Justin Wilcox is a miracle worker. I'm just – they didn't look like they were – I think it's going to take multiple weeks, weeks for them to get in the hang of it. And Oregon State's been okay. I mean, they disappointed me a couple weeks ago against Washington State, but I don't think – I think it's more Washington State's pretty decent. I'll tell you, watching the Washington game against Oregon State last week, Oregon State could have won that game. I know they got a fortunate – uh, pump block early in the game, but they got a horrific spot late in the oh, game. I mean, terrible. like, like people should be fired type of spot where they're, I mean, they go in score a touchdown and really put some pressure on Washington in that game. So uh, I, they're not as bad. And I just don't think Cal's re- really that good. So the Oregon state was the play for me there. 
I mean, in normal circumstances, I think Utah would be a good play. I just I have no idea what Utah is right now. And they're already an inexperienced team. They're you know, it's they're teetering on the 53 uh, available scholarship players. I think USC is so massively overrated. Uh, but uh, again, 2020, y'all, I, I mean, it's late November and Utah hasn't played a, a game yet. So uh, <laughs> so many questions might, might be a good in game or a wagering opportunity. Uh, if Utah has it, I, I think they'll have it all game against SC. So uh, I guess there's that. Especially with Utah. I mean, and I played them. I took plus three at reduced juice, but you know, they're basically revamping their entire offense. I mean, they lost their quarterback and their running back. So you wonder Only about like that. two or three guys back on defense. I just, yeah. so many, too many questions. I just, Kyle Whittingham is damn good, man. I, I, I feel like I give him the benefit of the doubt against Clay Helton. So you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So I, I went ahead and took the three at reduced juice. Didn't want to wait on a three and a half, just in case we find out that Utah is, you know, pretty healthy or whatever. And it goes down to two and a half, because like you said, I think a lot of people are selling any USC stock that they had. So that is something. Have to. Have to. All right. Um, LSU, Arkansas, LSU now two and a half point road favorite against Arkansas total 63 and a half here. Uh, surprised to see the flip favorite thing. Now, from a pure power rings aspect, uh, I probably made a mistake here because I bet Arkansas thinking Arkansas would take the money because we saw so much anti-LSU money in their last time that they had a line up against Alabama prior to that game being canceled. I mean, that just line was running. Mm-hmm. And Arkansas has been a covering machine so far this year. So my anticipation was, hey, Arkansas will take money. But you know, pure power rings, I got like LSU two and a half. So it makes sense in that regard. You know, I think I trust Arkansas more, to be honest with you. Although I don't think it's ideal that, that the fact LSU was laying 42 points last year against Arkansas. Now they're laying two. I mean, teams just, in my opinion, don't move 40 points. Usually uh, it might be an outlier and it might be warranted in this instance. So uh, I guess what I'm getting to is I, I, I lean Arkansas. They're just more trustworthy to me, but it's something that I don't have a real strong take on because I can punch holes on both sides. Yeah, I had this one Arkansas minus one. So I was kind of on the the open, the early week number, and I'm not going to play it. I, I don't know what this state of LSU is right now, but uh, I know Arkansas had nine yards per play against Florida last week. So And somehow it didn't even come close to covering. I bet Arkansas. To covering. Yeah, I mean, if you told me before the game, hey, Arkansas is going to score 35 points, I'm like, well, I'm, I'll tell you what, that's going to be an easy winner. I mean, I got 17 and a half. Yeah, buddy, got a winner. Not even close. Shit, man. Think about Akron on Tuesday. If you have told me Akron. Say, I had the same thing. I had points. Akron. Are you <laughs> got to be kidding me, man? I just, it's unbelievable right now. I, yeah. I'm running bad. I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I'd like to tout records, but I'm r- really realistic and I'm self-deprecating and I'm just running bad right now, buddy. All right. Let me ask you about this game here. One spot down on the board, 395, 396, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Wisconsin, seven point favorite, 44, pretty much the prevailing number out there on the total. Uh, This line is too big in my opinion, but I don't know if I could take Northwestern because I don't know if they're actually any good. Yeah, seven's right for me. Seven and a half. I understand people taking the hook there with Northwestern. Lower scoring game. Uh, Northwestern's defense, I think, is legit and is good. I don't think offensively that they leave a lot to be desired. I mean, Wisconsin's played two games. Illinois sucks and Michigan, I mean, I, I, sucks, I guess, <laughs> is the way to put it. So I, I'm not completely sure about Wisconsin yet. 
Uh, seven is where it should be, in my opinion, even though my pure power rating says nine. I just think with a low adjusting it for a lower scoring game, the way that's going to be played, uh, no bet for me at the current number. I'd let, I'd probably lay, lay six and a half, though. So I'm really low on Wisconsin, I think. My number's three and a half here. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm very low did on you Wisconsin, make the, Did you bump them back up after Mertz came back or no? I did. Yeah, I, I bumped them back up a little bit. Um, Where I, do you have them nationally? I got them high. Damn it, look at you putting me on the spot here. Got a I got them, well, just, while my... you're looking, I got them number five in the country, Wisconsin. So Wow, I mean, okay. Yeah, that's – I mean, I had them top ten, which I thought was about in line with everybody else at the start of the season, and I've upgraded them two points uh, so far. I mean, they've easily covered – easily covered both games. So, uh, I, I got the Badgers number five in the country, They're which I think four- a lot of people – they're 14th for me. So there's so, a mispricing. So, so there, yeah. So there's the difference. And, and look, I mean, to be totally honest with you, I mean, maybe Wisconsin is really good. I don't know. Mertz wasn't great in that last game, you know, and, no. and didn't they didn't have they to really be though. To practice. Yeah. He didn't have to be, but maybe he has to be here. Pat Fitzgerald's a pretty good dog coach. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I haven't played this one yet. I think I'm probably going to, I'm hoping seven and a half pops back up. Uh, but you know, this is one where, Hey, if I'm wrong, you know, it's it's part of the the crash course education of being a sports better, and I'll upgrade Wisconsin six points in my power ratings for next week. <laughs> you know, there you go. I mean, that's it's just kind of how it goes, especially in this this weird COVID year. Uh, one more game I want to ask you about on the college football side, then we'll chat some NFL here. Uh, Bedlam, Oklahoma yep. State, Oklahoma, seven fifty nine. Oklahoma uh, was a bigger favorite early on in the week. Missed the boat on that one like a dumbass. I like Oklahoma State uh, over a touchdown here in this one. What, what do you have this line at, and uh, what do you think about the matchup? All right, we can get a bet here. I like Oklahoma. I got a 10. Okay. I just – I another – Oklahoma's probably another surprise, even though they lost two games. I think Oklahoma's clearly a top-10 team, uh, and I think you'd be mistaken not to have them in your top-10 in your power ratings. I got them number seven. Uh, I just uh, – I mean, if they somehow don't piss down their leg against Kansas State late in that game, only lose one of those two games – I mean, then, then what is the perception of Oklahoma? I think it'd be, hey, this is pretty much the, the Oklahoma that we've seen the last five years because they played that way the last three, four games. Uh, and Oklahoma State, I mean, defensively is really good. I just, I'm not a huge Spencer Sanders guy. I mean, I upside low floor with his turnovers. And, you know, Oklahoma State should have beaten Texas, no doubt about it but they probably also should have lost to Kansas state. So I think Oklahoma state is what their record says. Uh, and the fact that Oklahoma, even though Mike Gundy is a historically great coach for Oklahoma state and their program has been historically good from their standards, the last 10, 15 years, they still play by far second fiddle to Oklahoma. That sooner is minus seven for me. I, I got this one four and a half. I do have Oklahoma eighth in the country, my power ratings for what it's worth. So Seems like the discrepancy here is that I still have Oklahoma State too high. Part of that is because I spent five weeks chasing an Oklahoma State power rating. The market was just so much higher than I was on the Cowboys that, you know, I just had to keep adjusting up, adjusting up, adjusting up. And maybe they sort of peaked and I didn't bring them back down. So maybe that was, you know, part of the equation for me. I mean, look, in that Oklahoma State Texas game, I had Texas a favorite in that one in my power ratings and I made a big adjustment even though Texas won the game because Oklahoma state really soundly beat them in the box score, but it yep. seems like I haven't caught up here with Oklahoma state throughout the year. One thing I will say is that uh, Oklahoma also does very well in this rivalry too. 
15 and two last 17 years straight up uh, 11, five and one against the number. That's not too shabby. And keep in mind that is with Oklahoma state being historically great by their standards. And they're still getting their ass kicked by Oklahoma. No, that's a good point. Definitely a good point. And we'll transition over to the NFL side of things here. And again, throw a bone to the day of listeners, Arizona, Seattle tonight, Seattle three, seeing a lot of plus juice out there. So maybe we're on the way down to two and a half for this one. Any thoughts on this Thursday night game from you? Uh, I lean Seattle. I think it's just a good spot for them. I mean, even though I'm very anti-Seattle this year, they've been exposed, losing three of their last four games. Uh, they've been outgained in seven or nine games this season. Wilson's struggling, but after he had three turnovers last week, he'll be more buttoned up this week. Arizona's probably celebrating, uh, although I'm not celebrating because they didn't kick the damn extra point. Uh, they're celebrating that Bills win. I just think it's – even though they have kind of owned the series as far as a point spread uh, matchup goes – to me, it's Seattle or nothing. I'll, I'll have a Seattle, some Seattle uh, tickets in my pocket uh, today. Just waiting on two and a half. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, them. Seattle's been getting a lot of money on game day bet against them. Arizona's been getting a little bit of money on them. I'm not sure if we do though. I obviously three, three minus uh, you know even. Uh, we got that right now, but I'm not. Boy, I I can't coming off a three. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so either. Three even, three plus money. I think any of those, you know, from a yeah. line value standpoint, I think makes sense. I don't really have a play on this game. I don't really have a take on this game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an up and down the field track meet. But at the same time, you know, it is a quick turnaround for both of these teams here. So I guess we'll kind of see how this one plays out. Maybe a good live betting opportunity game. I think that's definitely a possibility, especially if Russ is taking care of the ball because he has not yeah. taken care of the ball on uh, the last few weeks here. And it has really hurt Seattle quite tremendously because if he's not flawless that defense is so bad (laughs) that they have a lot of issues so uh, maybe a good live betting opportunity in that one I know that as we go to Sunday here you got some thoughts on 451 452 Philadelphia and Cleveland Browns three with extra juice or three and a half depending on where you look total for this game has gone back up to 47 and a half I like the over. I, I just, to me, as long as the weather holds out and right now it looks like it will just some light rain, no wind. I, you know, I have to bet the over because Cleveland has not one, but two horrific data points for scoring on their full season averages. I mean, two of the worst weather games we've seen. And we've seen those games what, combined for like 19 points uh, per game total against Las Vegas and Houston last week. So uh, I just think that's suppressing their scoring averages significantly. And uh, Cleveland, my Cleveland was, uh, you know, more of a higher scoring type of team at the start of the season. So I, I think the total is relatively cheap. Uh, I bet over 47, uh, you yeah. know, 47 and a half. I, I yeah, you can still find some 47s out there. I, I think it makes sense, especially to you got a couple of quarterbacks that make some mistakes here. So we might get some short fields in this game too. So that may be something that helps. And Philadelphia 0 for 9 on third down. I mean, first time that's happened since 2004, they'll be better this week on third down, obviously. They should be. Browns do have some COVID issues. There are some guys that are kind of in protocols and contact tracing and all those types of things. So that's kind of a thing with really every team in the NFL. I, I know I saw every team now in intensive protocol. So uh, meetings are done virtually and all these kinds of things. I think the players have to wear masks during practice. Uh, so you know, there are some different things here in the NFL for this week and going forward. And, you know, again, much like we talked about with college football, We'll see how long these NFL guys want to deal with that for the teams that are out of it, maybe later in the year. Oh, we do see some teams kind of mail in some of their efforts. Uh, Other than that, 
Atlanta and New Orleans, I think, are kind of a fascinating game because I understand that Jameis Winston could be a downgrade to Drew Brees, but I don't know if he's really that big of a downgrade in a game like this where, you know, I think that New Orleans can march up and down the field on Atlanta's defense if they want to. Yeah, uh, I understand that, but I, I, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Jameis Winston. So I mean, good Jameis, bad Winston, uh, b- bad Jameis. Uh, w- what do you get uh, in this instance? And I'll say this: Atlanta probably should be four and zero straight up and against the spread under their interim coach. If Todd Gurley takes a knee against Detroit, so then they're kind of had their uh, typical after a slow start that they pick things up. Uh, no bad for me. I, I just uh, right now not bettable. I actually like New Orleans in this game. Uh, right. You know, I think that for one thing, I think the bye week is detrimental. And I mentioned this on Tuesday's show. I think the bye week is a problem because these guys not only can they not practice during the bye anymore. That was something that the NFL instituted a couple of years ago. But now with all of these COVID protocols and all of this. Like maybe when guys had no week of practice, they'd go on vacation for a few days with their families, or they would you know, at least go do something right now. You can't do shit because you can't get your team infected with COVID. So I think the bye week where you just sit around and do virtually nothing except for your virtual meetings. I don't think that's a great thing for these teams. I think it kind of gets them out of what keeps their sanity, you know, with how strict everything is for new Orleans, great performance against Tampa Bay. I thought about fading them against San Francisco last week. San Francisco was a circuit consideration. I was impressed with what the Saints did last week in that game. I think the defense has turned a corner. I think Jameis is much more focused than he was with Tampa Bay. Maybe he doesn't have, you know, Mike Evans here, but he's got Michael Thomas, who's a pretty damn good player in his own right. I think New Orleans has just officially turned the corner. And I think for Atlanta, like I said, I think that bye week is problematic for them. Kind of gets them out of their rhythm, out of their routine. Hoping this comes out four and a half in the circuit probably comes out five, but I like New Orleans a little bit here. A last eight teams off a of buy are two and six this year. So maybe, I think, maybe I think it's, it's a problem. Uh, it's 10 and 12 on the season uh, falling short by about one point per game on average. But you know, late uh, the, 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 the latest teams that have been coming off a of buy haven't performed as well. So maybe you're on to somebody. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see if that winds up making the cut for me uh, with my Circus Sports Million segment on Friday's show uh, right here on ATS Radio. Uh, let's see here. How about Packers and Colts? Colts now one and a half at some places, two and a half at others. All depends on where you look. Total hovering around 51. I think that may be one of the toughest handicaps of the week. It is. Uh, I'm probably still with lean Green Bay. I mean, I still got Aaron Rodgers against Phillip Rivers. And I, I think Indianapolis, if you look at Jeff uh, Sagarin's strength of schedule ratings, uh, have played the weakest schedule so far. So for that, I would lean with the Packers for me. But uh, again, not, not one of my strongest plays. I, I think that's, that's a really strong point to make here. And I do think that, you know, maybe some people are going to look at Green Bay in a teaser context, you know, going up to one and a half to seven and Makes a half. Makes sense. Going through yep. that, you know, two through or three through seven corridor totals a little bit high kind of for what you want to do in a spot like that. But as you mentioned, Indianapolis, I mean, look, 32nd in strength of schedule and they're facing Aaron Rodgers this week. Like what other quarterbacks have the Colts faced that you know, you're really all that concerned with? I think to me, this is a spot where because they did what they did to Tennessee last week, this one's probably pick them, maybe Green Bay minus one. But because of what they did to Tennessee, I do think that this line has over-adjusted a little bit. I could see that. I could also maybe see uh, over 
Uh, yeah. Don't have to worry about weather. The Indianapolis defense statistically looks good. Uh, look at headline. Green Bay, two and a half. Come on. That's an overreaction. I got a uh, Green Bay. No, I, I think that's fair. And again, I, like I said, I mean, Indianapolis, you know, I mean, okay. So Gardner Minshew and, and Kirk Cousins, who's very hit or miss and shit, Sam Darnold. Uh, was it still Trubisky when they played the Bears? I don't, I don't know. Baker Mayfield. I mean, you know, look, okay, fine. They faced Lamar Jackson and Ryan Tannehill the last two weeks, and they're one and one in those games. But I don't know. They're stepping up in class a little bit here. I think I still think Green Bay is a pretty good team. So, oh, I I like too. I said, Green Bay or nothing, I think is is kind of the way to look there. What about Tennessee and Baltimore? Is it, 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 okay? We'll skip. That. <laughs> Um, no, I it's, just six feels like a weirdly high number here. It does. I mean, I just, I think Baltimore's still kind of getting treated from what they were a year ago, you know, really, really good. And they're just not that team this year, maybe revenge. I mean, for the, uh, the certain betters that believe in that with Baltimore losing to the Titans in the playoffs last year, when they dominated them statistically, uh, and, we also saw a lot of anti-Tennessee money uh, in the market last week with the Colts flipping the favorite uh, in that one. So I, that kind of makes sense in that regard, but I, no bet for me. Yeah, I, I don't really like anything about that game. It, something just feels weird about that. The total seems oddly low, too. You know, and I know that Baltimore has not been as efficient and as potent on offense as we expected them to be, but those are still two teams that, you know, have pretty good offensive personnel and pieces. And Tennessee's defense – has not been good here of late either. So I don't know. Sometimes their games are just don't pass the smell test. And, and that's one of them for me here. Uh, is the ginger gunslinger back for Dallas this week? Is that why that line's hovering around seven? Yeah. I, uh, Dalton's back last I read. So is, uh, is he an upgrade over Garrett Gilbert? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, he is not, I maybe not that big of one, but he is. I yeah I I wanted to take Dallas, but a couple people just said, "Hey man, come on!" Uh, they 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 talked me out of it. So uh, I just I guess I mean honestly, right now at seven, I I don't know how you don't bet Minnesota. Here's my problem, Minnesota. I Minnesota's like six and three against the spread this year, and that's typical sixty-seven percent cover rate that, that Mike Zimmer is almost every single year for the last six years. But I'm 0-3 back in Minnesota. It's unbelievable. Whenever I back them, they just piss down their legs. So it's another game where I'm just not going to bet it. I The square side seems like it'd be Minnesota. Yeah, if I had to do anything there, I think it's Minnesota because Dallas doesn't really get much pressure, and their secondary yeah. is not great. They're kind of banged up still, too. So I mean, if you give Cousins you know, an eternity to throw the football, he's not bad. If you put anybody remotely in his face, he's pretty bad. Dallas probably won't get too much pressure here. So maybe that's uh, kind of an angle, I guess we could consider a little bit. Uh, Kansas City and Vegas. Any uh, any thoughts on this one now that this line's gone back up to seven with extra juice? Yeah, I like Kansas City. I mean, I know it's the most obvious play of the week. It's a square play of the week. But when you got one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best coaches, you're usually not in bad shape. I mean, we saw the Patriots do that for 20 years at like basically 60% against the spread. I mean, the Chiefs right now are 17-1 straight up, 15-3 and ATS in their last 18 games. Maybe you just – market just ain't going to catch up with how good Reed and Mahomes are. One loser – Las Vegas, week five of this year. So I think revenge is a factor in that regard. They're off a bye. In this instance, Andy Reid off a bye. Historically, he's been really good. 
67%. Uh, Raiders off a misleading blowout win because they're plus five in turnovers last week against Denver. I got Kansas City's got to keep pace, even though as good as Kansas City is, they still got to keep pace with the Steelers somehow. Uh, so Chiefs for me, I love it. Yeah, this this feels like one of those bulletin board kinds of games for the Chiefs. I mean, they, they've even talked about it too. Usually, you know, you you kind of get some of those platitudes and some of the, uh, you know, like the like the the athlete Mad Libs where you just kind of fill in whatever cliche. But the way they're talking about this game feels different. And I, I think they know. crushed Las Vegas. I think it's very similar to me when I played against the Raiders when they had to go to New England, and it was so obvious to take New England that week minus six. It was earlier this year, and you know the the, the Patriots pummeled them. Um, but with that being said, let's give you know some credit to John Gruden and company. I mean, they are exceeding expectations here, and I don't think they're getting a lot uh, enough national publicity for for the job he's done so far. My hope is that Kansas city throttles them this week and we get some betting value going forward because I do think the Raiders are actually a pretty good team. I mean, they're like, they're actually run pretty well defensively. They leave some, some things to be desired, but I, I guess I'm just a big John Gruden guy. I'm a big uh, Mike Mayock guy, uh, and it's just not me being a homer because, I, I mean, I bet against them as far as their season win total. I, I, I like the whole vibe out here, man. Uh, I, so they're, they're doing some good things, and it's a shame that uh, the stadium can't be full this year because I think it'd be, it'd be one of the coolest scenes in, in all of football. Yeah, it seems like it would definitely be a lot of fun. Again, like I said, I don't know if I'm going to have a play on this game, but I hope that the Raiders get punked and then we get some value to play on them here as we go forward, because like you said, I, I think that it is a little bit hidden how you know quality of a football team the Raiders actually have. Uh, one more, maybe two, probably just one though. Miami and Denver. I We just talked about Denver and all their turnover issues. I mean, Miami looks really obvious this week because their defense is pretty damn good. Tua's been pretty solid here, you know, after getting rid of those first game jitters, but I don't know. Something feels weird about taking a warm weather team in Denver here just with the uh, the, the field goal line. Yeah, I mean, the weather's, I think last I checked yesterday, it was upper 40s, so not not terrible uh, for a South Florida team like it could be in Denver this time of year. Look at line was pick. Uh, I, I lean Denver, but, man, I have gone up against Miami the last couple weeks, and obviously it hasn't worked out. Uh, I just – it's tough trusting Drew Locke. I, I hated him actually in Missouri, so uh, he's just playing like I thought he was. So then that's a problem. But I just think sooner or later, Miami team can't continue can't continue to massively out, uh, overachieve the box score. Uh, box score sooner or later doesn't lie, and uh, you know Miami, despite their six and three record, they've been out gaining on the season. So. I, I actually lean Denver plus, especially if I can find a hook out here, plus three and a half. Yeah. And it is a possibility, especially because, you know, we just saw what Denver did against the Raiders and you know, what Denver's done in some of the other games. See the, the, the problem with taking Denver at any dog price is they turn the football over a ton. I mean, Drew Locke does yeah. not take care of the ball at all. They're giving the opposition extra possessions and whether Miami cashes those in or not remains to be seen, but I don't know, man. For me, like, if I'm betting a dog, I got to make sure that they're not going to be, like, minus three, minus four in turnover margin, which is why I took, like, Carolina against Kansas City a couple weeks ago because Carolina takes care of the football. I knew that if they don't give Kansas City two or three extra possessions, they can hang in that game. That's Denver's problem is that they keep giving the other team golden opportunities to score, 
And even though their defense isn't that bad, they still wind up giving up a bunch of points because they're put in so many bad spots. So that, that's kind of the worry and, and something I, you know, you can't really necessarily handicap turnover margin, but damn it, if I don't try every week. And this would be one that would not surprise me if Denver's minus three, because not only is Denver not taking care of the football, Miami's been a very ball hawking defense. And I think Brian Flores might actually turn out to be the best uh, coach when it comes to former Bill Belichick assistants. He's doing a really good job so far. So uh, yeah, I, that, that would be the hangout for me. Uh, Miami forces turnovers as good as anybody in, in the NFL. Denver turns it over. I, I'm telling you, though, if Denver takes care of the football, they're only minus one or it's, you know, even on turnover. I think they're the play here. I think that's fair. All right. I guess I'll go ahead and ask you real quick. Rams and Bucks, Monday night football, great game, chase game, big handle, so on and so forth. Bucks laying four, 48 and a half the total for this one. What do you think? Uh, lean Tampa Bay, a little bit of money showed on them here in the last, what, 24, 36 hours. I, I lean that way. I just, I mean, if Antonio Brown's going to be halfway good, I mean, I don't know how you, you've necessarily stopped this offense. I mean, they got three pro bowlers at wide receiver. Uh, so lean Tampa Bay for me. I kind of like the under, I'm a little bit surprised this total really up. Yeah. I like the under a little yeah. bit here. I, I'm surprised. Last six games for the Rams up. have gone under. Yeah, that's true, which is probably why this total kind of opened where it did and then got that initial movement. I just, look, I don't trust Jared Goff. I think Tampa Bay's defense is going to give Jared Goff a hell of a time. And if the Rams get some pass rush, you know, I mean, we've seen Brady kind of struggle in the face of pressure here this year. I think the Saints getting some pressure in the first quarter of that, you know, big Sunday night football game. And Brady was overthrowing dudes, making mistakes, bailing out of throws, this and that. You know, there's, uh, there's some... You know, longevity protection, you know, for Brady here when, when someone's in his face, he's just going to kind of get rid of it. And whatever happens, happens. I think the Rams could get some of that interior pressure. Bucks have had some offensive line issues. They completely revamped their protections last week and it worked out for them against Carolina, but Carolina's defense is, is not particularly good. I, I like under 48 and a half. I'm not in a hurry to play it. Cause I think it still goes up a little bit, but I, I'll probably come back on the under here for Monday night football and have some rooting interest, which, there you go. I don't know why my rooting interest would ever be an under in today's NFL, but I guess I'm just that deranged. <laughs> I wait till game day, man. Uh, that's going to be a high profile game. Public's going to want to bet. Wait till game day to play the under. Well, I could probably get under 50 or so. I think. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think, 50, 50 I think so. I'd love so. to get 51. Cause you know, that's a, a fairly important number here. Kind of the yeah. average uh, NFL total this year, 50 and a half to 51 or so. So, uh, Lots of good thoughts, as always, on today's program with professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And, Brad, what's the deal over at the website right now, man? Well, now that it's up, it looks like and running. Uh, <laughs> right now, it's just my newsletter. I talk about it each week. I mean, if you're just not interested in just only picks, I get it. Everyone's interested in picks, and I have picks in the newsletter. But if you're interested in the whole king caboodle as far as the process, that being power ratings, trends, right ups on every single game. Uh, we're always recapping the, the prior week. What happened in order to project forward? You got to, you know, to see what the hell happened the, the week prior. If you're interested in all of that, you got my newsletter. It's college football. It's the NFL. It's every single game. It is my top play of the week. So as of Wednesday in there, you get it for 49 bucks through the Super Bowl, college and pro bradpowersports.com. Well, of course, as always, make sure you follow Brad on Twitter at Brad powers and the number seven. 
Brad, a pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me here. Got a lot of good game game breakdowns and uh, the picks that everybody wants. So uh, good show, man. Hopefully we do pretty well this week. Good luck to you. And we'll talk to you again uh, next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, man. There you go. There's Brad Powers. Once again, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com. And I guess something I should have mentioned before this, but I'm recording with Brad on Tuesday next week. We will release the show on Thursday morning. So we'll be the caveats about lines moving and all that kind of thing. But we're recording Tuesday afternoon uh, for Thursday morning with the Thanksgiving holiday next week. Uh, One show left for this week. That is my Circus Sports Million Picks for week 11 off of a bad one and four week. Looking to bounce back here. For this week, that'll come your way here on tomorrow's edition of ATS Radio. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.